When I'm cleaning up the house on any given Saturday morning, I throw on my AirPods and pump up the volume, literally. I actually have a special playlist of songs that helps me zone out and just push my Hoover floor washer like that baby's on fire. Let's see. On the list, there's anything from Ariana Grande, Queen, Lady Gaga, The Power, Earth, Wind & Fire, and even songs from Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, and Phantom of the Opera. I couldn't imagine doing a Power Zone endurance ride for 45 minutes on my Peloton to complete silence rather than songs with 150 BPM. Music motivates us. It relaxes us. It helps us to go back in time and relive some favorite memories. But it actually does so much more. Did you know that music therapy can be used to reduce a person's pain? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being unbearable pain, let's say the person's pain is about a 6. It can quite possibly go to a 3 just by listening to the right type of music. Music therapy is an emerging field being used for treatments for cancer patients, Parkinson's, MS, Alzheimer's, and more ailments. In some cases and states, insurance covers music therapy. Well, you're in for a special conversation with this podcast. We're so lucky I've gotten some time with Joy Allen. She's the chair of Berkeley College of Music's Music Therapy Department. Joy is going to share her insights and tell you how to come up with the best playlist to where you are right now in your life. Yes, we're talking about music. And in as much as I would just love to sing, I promise you, I won't. My singing is best reserved for silent movies. My conversation with Joy starts in just a moment. So joining me here on this Tech You Should Know podcast, oh, I'm so thrilled to have her, Joy Allen. She's the chair of Berkeley College of Music's Music Therapy Department. And Joy, before we start talking about music therapy as it is, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about songs uh, in particular. I mean... You know, there are certain rhythms to have in a song, and a good friend of mine is Chip Davis, and he's the founder of Mannheim Steamroller. And one time we were sitting around on his farm in Omaha, Nebraska, I'll never forget this, looking at the fireflies and the stars and good stuff like that, and he started talking about ABBA, about how ABBA's songs, they continue to endure because they have a certain rhythm. And he explained it to me about like, he was using words like earworms and brain puzzles and repetition and things like that. And I have to tell you, I know absolutely nothing about music. So whatever you want to share with me, just consider it a clean slate. Um, But is there a certain rhythm in a song? I I would back up for a moment and say that, yes, there are. There are things that the earworms, the connections, but I always start by saying all of us connect to and respond to music in some way. And sometimes that it's the rhythm that really captures us. Sometimes it's the emotion that is embedded within a song. Sometimes it's the words, sometimes it's the story that's being told. And so as individuals, when we find something and we connect with it, it's something that just sticks with us. And we, and, and, and allows us to feel connected to something outside of ourselves. And that's really where um, rhythm becomes, you know, something that engages us or a song really comes and engages us. It's that, that connection to something outside of ourselves, whether that connection is with the rhythm, the memory that it's sharing, the emotion, the time, you know, this is where I heard this song the first time when I was in the car with a loved one or whatever it is. Um, And those connections really are what, um, 
makes music so therapeutic to us on so many different ways, um, if, if that makes sense. You know, it makes total sense because if you think about a song that was just horrible, like Who Let the Dogs Out, which I never understood <laughs> why that was a big hit. Uh, <laughs> And then you have, you know, Beethoven and Mozart. Yes. And, and it just goes across all genres and all age groups. And, you know, I can, I can look at my mother and we have an old jukebox and she goes over to the jukebox and she plays a song that my father and her listened to when they were dating. And she gets great comfort out of that. Um, and then when we look at, we think about what music does when we exercise. I couldn't imagine getting on my Peloton, doing a 45-minute endurance ride, you know, without some music blaring in my ears. What effect does it have on the human body as far as, like, does it release certain hormones? Absolutely. So it has different effects. And I'm laughing when you said the Peloton because I was just at spin class yesterday. And the, the right music at the right time makes all the difference in the world <laughs> when you're whether you're doing the sprints or the hill climbs and it energizes you. It does. And you know, sometimes um, if they have, and when they pick bad music and they want you to go like, you know, your VO max and you're like, Oh my gosh, not that song. I need something better. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm laughing now. Exactly. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, and when they really hit something and you really connect, it's like you're in a zone and it takes you outside into a different you know, reality, which is really nice some days, right? It is, especially um, now. So, yes, exactly. And so the, the long story short, um, yes, it has effects on the body. We know music impacts the brain and the music has an impact on the motor cortex. And that's where you're getting that connection with rhythm, right? And the motor cortex, and it helps activate the motor cortex in different ways. So sometimes it's a stimulation and sometimes it's bringing it down depending on what, what a, a rhythm is. And that's why... Um, individuals who exercise and they'll play with the different um, beats per minute because you have an entrained response with your motor cortex with rhythm. And it's a great thing. Um, and we have some great technologies coming out using that very thing um, for individuals with Parkinson's and stroke and multiple sclerosis, which we can get to in a little bit. Um, we also know that the um, that music impacts um, those parts of the brain that process emotions and memories and cognition. And so the great thing about music is we, you hear sometimes people talking about left side, right side of brain, and there's the artistic side and there's the more um, academic or, um, you know, cognitive side. The thing with music is it passes over all parts of the brain and it activates different parts at different times. We don't know enough in terms of research um, why, why that is. What we do know and what we have seen is that it definitely impacts all those different parts of the brain in great ways and that we can harness that to, to make the world a better place for the communities that we live in. And so again, sometimes it's that motor cortex, sometimes it's, it's the frontal lobe, sometimes um, you know, it's the speech areas of our brain, but we haven't got to the part where we can pinpoint this effect we'll have on this. We know that we can harness it and we can continue to study and using imaging. And that's what neuroscientists are doing right now and making great roads in, in doing such. And so it's just like when you said within spin class or exercise, you know, you could have a great playlist that really motivates you. Um, and, and, you know, whether it's the rhythm driving or then you have the rhythm captured with the particular genre or song that you like, and you've got bonus, I'm really motivated to push myself or vice versa. Maybe it's, I'm really motivated just to 
calm my mind and focus. And that's the different ways that we use it. But then we also know, like if we talk about playlists, right? And, you know, if you go on to any streaming service, you know, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, whatever it is, and you say, you know, cardio music to run with, right? And then you start listening to it and it's like, great, the beat's there. I can run at 165 beats per minute, but I'm not feeling the music. Then I don't have the same response, right? And so it's how do we really make it user friendly in the sense where I want the perfect match of my playlist for when I want it, how I want it, and what I'm using it for. And, you know, that brings up an interesting point because you do have all these different playlists, right? Uh, for, motiv- for motivation or meditation, whatever it may be. How do you come up or how do you find or is there such a thing of the perfect playlist? Honestly, my response would be the perfect playlist is the one that you create with someone to meet a particular need. But that's where things get a little bit complicated because I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think everyone's kind of familiar with those quick um, um, quizzes that come on Facebook or different social media and the BuzzFeed quizzes that, you know, you answer, you look at five different images and you pick the one that's attracts to you and it tells you, um, you know, your personality. Um, but it's quick and it's easy, right? And we don't want things that are complicated. We want quick and easy and we want something that's like your horoscope. Oh, yep, that's where I am. Um, sometimes the problem with the playlist is that what works for some pers- some people, it's not going to work for someone else. It's not individualized or customized enough. Um, so when it says motivation, and it might even be pop motivation versus classic rock motivation versus classical motivation. It's looking at genres, but it's not looking at, okay, how is it that, what role has music played in my life and how do I connect with that music? And those are often the two questions that are left out. What is the role that it plays? Am I more of an emotional listener, a social listener, a physical listener? And, and, what role or what am I looking for out of the music experience at that point? So if I'm working with an individual and they're really stressed, oftentimes you'll see the um, meditation playlist tend to be music that is more ambient sounding, um, doesn't have a lot of movement into it. But when I'm really stressed, my, my, system, my body is activated at a higher level and I need to start where that activation is and then bring it down. So those are those individual things. And at the same time, I need to know, okay, if I'm really stressed, um, what is it that I, am I fidgety more of my stress fidgety person? Am I more like really frustrated and need to get those emotions out? And those are going to be the ways that I need to engage in the music that way. So it sounds complicated, but it's really asking yourself, what role does music play in my life and how do I connect with it? Do I need something to decrease my physical activation or increase it? Or do I want to be connected to some memories or some experiences that I had um, that make me feel like someone's listening or that someone knows what I'm going through? You know, it's, it's all very fascinating to me. I mean, because I'm not very musically inclined. I never have been. I mean, it's, you know, I'm one of these kids mm-hmm. that, you know, when I was a kid, rather that you know, your parents, you have to take piano lessons. 
and it was like after after you know after <laughs> yeah. two years I remember the piano instructor said you know uh, this is probably not the thing for her I mean you know maybe we should try field hockey mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be and, and so it's fascinating that to be able to customize and to curate because so much of our lives right now is into personalization whether it's ads that we mm-hmm. see on the internet uh, to products that are being selected for us or Amazon just shipping us clothes that we think that we might want to purchase someday. I want to get more into that in just a moment as well as exactly what music therapy, what that role plays in folks. So before we do all that, we have to say a special thank you to our partners who help make this podcast possible. So stay right where you are, folks, because we're talking to Joy Allen. She's the chair of the Berkeley College of Music's Music Therapy Department. And music plays such a huge role in all of our lives, whether you listen for five minutes a day or five hours a day. And maybe we'll even get into what are the teenagers listening to today? So stay right where you are. for being here. We're speaking with Joy Allen. She's the chair of the Berkeley College of Music, Music's therapy program and department. And we've been talking about the different roles that music plays in our playlists and personalization and curation. Is there any way possible, Joy, that somebody could come up with their own playlist? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I think anyone, we, one of the things we always ask our students to do, and we often do it with um, clients that we we work with on a regular basis is just think for a moment and what is the first song that comes to your head oh rain on me because i've been (laughs) i was on my bike with it the other day (laughs) and it was on and And that's okay and it went on like constant looping you know how like sometimes it's like you know you're in the Mm -hmm. and so it was just looping and it wasn't rain on me from lady gaga and ariana grande it was the purple disco machine remix which is like even more crazy (laughs) I love that. Um, But then you see what we're already doing? We're having a conversation and it's a connection with, okay, what is it about that? And maybe it's nothing like a rocket science, like, oh my gosh, that song just made me feel something like I've never felt. But it might be, you know what? That was on when that was coming on. Now it's stuck in my brain. It's where I am right now. And that's what you get. But yeah, it's we we have ways to create playlists. And sometimes we have things that do it for you. And if you look at Um, Spotify, for example, you can put, if you like, or you can heart a song or not heart it, and then they'll come up with you. They use algorithms in the background to come up with, you know, song selections. And here's your daily um, list of suggestions, you know, playlist one versus playlist two, playlist three. And it's that constant way to engage. The downside of that is that I'm constantly having to listen versus just enjoy, and it becomes a cognitive exercise, right? So if I'm listening to music, I don't want to constantly hit, yes, I like it. No, I don't like it. I'm trying to most likely decompress or um, have it in the background while I'm doing something else, but I don't necessarily want to engage in it as a cognitive exercise, right? Um, Versus if I want to put a playlist together because I'm going to go back to cycling um, again, you know, if I'm putting a playlist together because I really want to, you know, motivate myself for 45 minutes of spin class, I'm going to start you know, at a a warm-up pace and then constantly build and build and build um, until I get to the end and then we do a cool down. So it's, it's looking at, I think the the easiest way to put it is what's the purpose of the playlist? Is it to get through the week? 
is it to um, to keep myself motivated? Maybe I need songs that really are going to motivate me this week. Or is it to really, you know what, I'm taking a road trip and I want to listen to some of my classic favorites and remind myself of memories of the individuals I'm going to go see. Um, so it, it it's pretty easy to create one um, nowadays with the technology that we have, whether again, you're using a streaming service um, or if you want to send someone someone, you can just put down and click the YouTube links to it, to the videos. Um, and it's, it's ways to engage, right? Um, but I think that the, the question comes down to is, you know, what are you, what is the playlist for? Um, you know, if you even think about, I'll go back to the example of your, um, the song that your mom put on that she remembers from when your her and your dad were first dating. You know, if you think about even an easy but wonderful gift to give someone for the holidays, why not send them some of the songs that capture um, your time with them or, or memories? Um, it's a way of putting something together and a shared experience that really captures the essence on a different dimension. It's not just, hey, remember when we did this? It's listen to the music and it helps create the scene of the time when this was us together. Um, so even, you know, putting a playlist together of songs that remind you of your family or songs of a friend. And maybe it's the, hey, remember when we went to this concert or remember when this song came on the radio? It's something that's that's inexpensive, it's free, but it really allows you to have a shared experience on a different dimensional level because it's not just you thinking about the memory, you're recreating it. And that engages the brain on so many different levels. It's multidimensional. You know, that's such a great idea. It really is. I love that idea. I'm going to do that with my mother. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. And I was going to say another way to do it too, if you don't want to do a whole playlist, is just do a what we call a song affirmation. Send them a song that really captures what you feel about them or change the lyrics to a song and, and add the, the words in, like change a few of the, a few of the words into really capturing the, the part of a loved one. You know, it's when you were talking about that, I was thinking like what song I would put on, you know, every Saturday I grew up in New Jersey, my mother would open up all the windows and all the kids had to clean the house from bottom to top. And, mm -hmm. uh, and she would play Donna Summer. <laughs> hot stuff <laughs> and everybody be like we all be sitting there going oh gosh do we have to listen to this one more time so every time I hear Donna Summer and I don't know if you know this but she's like having a comeback for some reason even now mm -hmm. I like I have like these bad visions of my in my head of like washing the windows and the floors and things like that and you know a play you know playlist for those of you who are not familiar with it it was formerly known as a mixtape right <laughs> But, but that's exactly right. <laughs> but but now we can do. And you know what's so funny, Joy, is that we were talking about this in the studio. And Frankie, who uh, who actually has left and gone on to a, a more of a, a bigger job, we were explaining to him what a mixtape was because he's 22 and he had no idea what a mixtape was. And so when I looked at that's exactly right. And I, and I looked at him and I said, "Well, think of it as like a playlist, but you didn't. But we had to put it on a cassette, which then it was like." 
a cassette, I'm like, oh, just forget it, you know, <laughs> at this point. Remember when we had to just wait for the radio station to play the song that we wanted so we could record it from the radio station <laughs> and you waited all day to hear this song? <laughs> and then invariably the tape wouldn't work, right? And so you'd hit you. Exactly. And, or you played the tape so many times it worn out. I have Bon Jovi cassette tapes that were <laughs> worn out. So let's, let's talk about music therapy. Um, sure. How do you define music therapy? I think the easiest way to define it, it's the use of music and music-based um, experiences and the relationship that develops within those experiences to affect change. Um, as, as you know, credentialed music therapists, what we're really doing is we're, we're cultivating music and music experiences. And sometimes we're working on physical needs. Sometimes we're working on social and spiritual needs. Sometimes it's emotional needs. Sometimes it's cognition. Um, but what we're doing is that we're connecting, accessing, and exploring different music experiences to impact an individual's overall health and well-being. And depending on music, you know, the great thing about music, we work with so many different um, individuals with different types of needs, anything from autism to Alzheimer's to oncology to um, developmental challenges. And so, you know, at the end of the day, what we're using is something that all of us innately connect with music to maintain or improve overall health and well-being. So I, I tend to specialize in medical music therapy. So I'm using music a lot with oncology patients, actually. And sometimes we're using experiences to decrease pain perception, um, decrease some of the symptoms and side effects of medication and treatment. So, you know, for example, with chemotherapy, there's a lot of nausea. Um, and so we know that we can use music to decrease um, what you're really looking at is the stress response and decrease and deactivate that stress response to affect nausea and pain responses. Um, other times, you know, with um, oncology patients, I'm using music to help them process through the emotional baggage that comes along with diagnoses. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, really coming to terms with, um, you know, their diagnosis, helping to communicate, helping to just have a moment to be and reconnect with themselves and find their inner resources to help them through those challenging times. And we can use different music experiences to, to, to do such. Boy, I wish I would have known about you years ago. Be, be, well, here, here's the reason why is that I'm my mother's primary caregiver mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, she's lived with me for 20 odd years and it's really been fabulous. She lives in our guest house and she's helped with families and kids and, and all that other good stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, three years ago, she, a little bit over three years ago, is that she uh, fell in, in her house. And mm. I just got, you know, you just got that feeling like something's wrong. Absolutely. And so, so I called her and I said, you know, you got you just sound terrible. She's like, I, I fell last night. I'm like, well, why didn't you call me? And so long story short is I take her over to the Mayo Clinic and they say, yeah, she, she fractured her hip, but she, uh, by the way, she has stage four pancreatic cancer. Oh, no. And I'm like, what? And then the Mayo doc said to me, well, you know, she probably has three months. And if she has a bucket list, you ought to take a look at it. And I said, well, the woman has been to literally 127 different countries She's a systems analyst. She was the developer, one of the developers of the Unix operating system. The, I mean, invented the first video phone and 411 system, if you remember that. I said, you know, she's oh pretty my accomplished. Goodness, yeah. Okay. And so when we come back, I want to talk more about 
music with oncology mm-hmm. and and I'll, I'll tell you more about her because she's a mir- little miracle she's a stage four pancreatic cancer survivor right now it's amazing and is a hundred percent cancer free um phenomenal but music you know i didn't know quite what to do and 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 i think a lot of people when they get that diagnosis or somebody in the family does because when when somebody's diagnosed with cancer the, the whole family's affected absolutely is, is that you you have this you go into this state of shock and i found myself when i was going back and forth to the mayo just silence because i didn't want to hear anything And we'll talk more about that. Maybe we can help somebody else who's going through this, either with themselves or with their family. So stay right where you are. We'll be right back. We're speaking with Joy Allen. She's the chair of the Berklee College of Music's Music Therapy Department. We've talked about rhythms, even who let the dogs out, and why that was even a hit. And we've talked about beats per minute and spin classes and repetition. And now we're getting into the meat of the matter. We're talking about music therapy. And Joy, you were talking about how you focus with oncology patients. Um, You know, I didn't know quite what to do. And so I threw everything I could at it. And when I feel out of control, which I think a lot of people feel out of control during this pandemic, which is why everybody went and bought toilet paper, is that we have a tendency to maybe micromanage our situation. In the case of my mother, uh, you know, I give all the credit to a lot of prayers, a lot of blessings, and also the fine doctors at MD Anderson uh, Cancer Center in Houston, Texas, where she went and had her therapy. Uh, She had chemo and she had the Whipple surgery, and it it was a big deal. To, to get a you know a seventy eight year old woman through all this, but fortunately she's she's strong and she's a she's from Brooklyn and she's tough you know so and I think that was part of the attitude um, that made her you know do as well as she did through all those therapies. But but what where do you take somebody with that diagnosis with music? It goes back to what is the immediate need. So oftentimes when I'm when I'm referred to an individual with a cancer diagnosis, the first thing is, okay, let's get them through the treatment, right? That's number one. And so to get through the treatment, you're usually looking at, okay, do we have their pain and other symptomology under control? If not, let's start using music experiences to help with that. And so, you know, for example, if they're inpatient in a hospital setting, it's because their symptoms are not under control, they're that bad. What are ways that we can use music to decrease that pain? And at that point, you're really looking at, um, it's not as simple as just putting on a piece of music. It's really working with, you know, for example, a lot of my referrals in the hospital system are coming up with um, um, routines on how we can use music to help with their pain experience. So sometimes it's me really creating and helping them connect to music and finding out what has it been their experience with using music? How can we use that to um, our advantage? So it's a lot of times I'm using live music and imagery because they don't have the energy to engage um, or or to, to play or to really... Um, it's the word I want to look for. Um, they don't have a lot of energy. You know, when you're sick, it takes a lot of energy from you. So it's 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 
doing that work behind the scenes. So I know, okay, I know from my, from research, you know, you know, what beats permanent do I need? What, what types of, you know, melody lines are best, so on and so forth. But then I can customize it through the live music to really activate, okay, here's what's physiologically being presented and emotionally being presented. Let me start there with the live music experience and then bring it to a place um, that really helps them access. So for example, I'll, I'll share with you, you know, if I'm working with an individual and I say, okay, you know, what, what are things that you find soothing to you? Is there particular images that come to mind when I say, you know, what is something soothing or relaxing? Um, for some people, it might be, you know, looking at a stream in the woods. For another people, it might be, um, you know, an image of an ocean. For other people, it might be a mountaintop. Um, it could be any of those things, but it tells me, okay, those are the types of things I want to try to capture within the music. At the same time, I might be saying, okay, tell me where the pain is and how would you describe the pain? Is it a shooting pain? Is it, you know, really tense? Um, does it have a rhythm to it? Is it predictable? Um, is it spontaneous? Because again, I can create those sounds within music. And so then I'm automatically, A, giving a sense of control. You go back to the toilet paper, right? I'm, I'm giving them control and allowing them to really externalize what they're feeling internally um, and having control over that experience that then I can then shape with the live music and say, okay, knowing that let's, let's try and let's start here. And then we can introduce the music right there in the moment and then see what worked and didn't work. Um, then we can start creating a, a routine with that. Okay. Maybe pain is worse at night. Um, okay, is there a way that we can then record this, use it, modify it in different ways? Again, that allows patient control. Then I can bring in the family and say, okay, knowing this is happening, let's have this shared experience. Can you together at night, listen to this and see if it helps? Um, what's working, what's not working, let's change the parameters of the music. It doesn't take, but um, you know, if I'm working with someone to create just the initial um, you know, music and imagery session, we're talking maybe 15, 30 minutes, um, where I can immediately go in, assess um, where the patient is physically and emotionally, then create the music, introduce it, see what worked and didn't. And we have great results with that. Anything from, you know, original pain being six or seven on a scale of one to 10 down to, you know, three or four or five. But a lot of that has to do with, it's, I always say, we're not doing rocket science. We're using what you know, you've been connected to music your entire life. It's just accessing it in a different way and having that control over that experience. But taking away that, that I, I don't, I can't think of all the variables I need this time and this, it's just, okay, this is what we know. Let's have the, the individual, you know, the music therapist help create it and then move on from there. Um, and then creating those opportunities to engage with it within family to help them have that shared experience, you know, family being whoever they identify the family as. So that's number one with, with, with cancer. It's okay. What's the immediate need that we want to treat, whether it's the pain or the symptomology that helps them get through the treatment. Then we really start getting to how can we use music to reconnect with ourselves? Um, because, you know, it's, it's like you said, when you get that diagnosis, the world has changed. It's okay. I, I can't, how do I even engage at this point? Because I'm 
some people they might be frozen other people it might be my mind's going mile a minute you know i have to do all of these things i have to take care of this i take care of that it's helping them reconnect with themselves because ultimately they have the resources and internally and we want to help them get that so for some people it's reconnection in terms of what is it that really helps keep me motivated what is it that really helps capture the experience I'm going through? How do I have access and release and work through emotional challenges that are that are coming up with this? Um, because it's 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 changing your identity in some ways, um, but at the same time, it's also how do I celebrate? How do I celebrate getting through the day? How do I celebrate finishing a treatment? How do I celebrate? You know what? You know, it's been a crappy day, but I made it through. And it's it's taking those times and helping um, for something that's you know in our lives every day, and just using it in different ways and helping us remember how music can can do those things. You know, it's it's fascinating, and and it's so powerful. Um, what an honor it is to to learn directly about this from you. Um, how does for somebody who's interested in getting music therapy? Is, is it covered by insurance? And then how do they find out about this? Because I didn't even know this existed. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a tricky question. <laughs> um, um, I think the greatest way is to, um, you, you certainly see if you're, if you're connected within a healthcare system. Music therapists work in healthcare. They work in educational and there's private practice and, and um, areas. So a lot of our major hospital systems have music therapists. But it's just not necessarily known. So it's helping you know, spread the word about the benefits of it. You know, Kathy Lee Gifford has been a huge um, of advocate um, of, of music therapy. There's been so many people who have seen the benefits of it. And it's knowing, okay, how do I think about what is it that I want and what's available in my area? So again, a lot of the major um, hospital systems um, have music therapy services. Um, in terms of educational a lot of your major school um, districts do have music therapists working in them. Um, now, insurance gets tricky. If it's inpatient, um, you know, insurance is flat rate that they pay the hospital. So it's the hospital system that's having music therapy services as part of that flat rate. It's not billed separately. In other words, it's it's included in your your um, the daily rate that a hospital charges an insurance company. Um, in terms of outpatient, that's where it gets really tricky. Um, it's not covered by a lot of insurance companies, and it is a case-by-case -case, um, basis. Some insurance companies will have um, what they have related services, and you have a bank of money that you can use and put towards those services. Um, you know, in terms of then we get into the state-by-state -state differences. You have a lot of waiver programs that will cover music therapy services for different um, different need areas. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of states have waiver programs for older adults and the aging population, and they do have music therapy covered as part of those services. The same thing with waiver programs for individuals with autism or related developmental challenges is that they will have waiver services that will cover music therapy. Um, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, it is private pay. Um, unless you have services that are being funded by grants and foundations, um, which we do have, but a lot of it is private pay, and that is something that we're hoping to change as more and more research becomes available. But it must be frustrating going through all this. <laughs> 
It is. And I think one of the big things that gets frustrating, particularly when you're working inpatient with, in, in hospital settings, is to see the gains that an individual is making and then not being able to extend that post-discharge. And, and, you know, whether it's the lack of available music therapist or the availability of, um, you know, funding for those services. So, for example, you know, you know I go back to the um, individuals with cancer, they might be receiving great inpatient music therapy services, but do those services continue post-discharge? Um, and that is something that we're hoping actually that we can even use a lot with technology to work on is that, you know, the access to services and the connection, but also the availability um, to collect data so that we can show the cost effectiveness and the um, research evidence of the uh, impact that music therapy does have. Well, cer- certainly this is something you can do through telemedicine, right? Absolutely. We have a ton of music, well, a lot of music therapists, you know, the vast majority had switched to telehealth services um, in the pandemic. I mean, that was the same as regular health services. A lot of them are switching to telehealth. It has actually opened up the possibility of even more um, individuals having access to services, you know, because whether it was they're in remote areas or it's difficult transportation wise, it's opened up some doors for individuals who normally would not be able to access services to have services. You know, you mentioned one, one thing is that you were using live recordings versus recorded. Why is that? Um, With the live music, we can actually um, change the parameters of the music in response to the physiological parameters that an an individual is showing. So for example, um, I'm gonna use NICU babies, for example. When I'm working with an individual, a, a baby, a premature baby in the neonatal intensive care unit, I can see where their heart rate is, their respiratory rate. Um, I can see, you know, their response body um, reaction to music, and I can immediately change the music in the moment in response to those measures. So, for example, if I see that, um, you know, I'm trying to decrease your heart rate, um, I can slowly start changing the rhythm and decreasing it. Um, in response to what I'm seeing engaging from those responses. That's different if it's a recorded piece of music. I can't do that same effect in the moment. However, what we hope to get to is that, you know, we start with live, but then, you know, you can't, a music therapist can't be with you 24-7, so we start to see the patterns. Then we can create what works for you, and then you have the recordings to, to use that. So you mentioned cancer. Uh, And then you also mentioned earlier uh, Parkinson's and I believe Alzheimer's. What other, what other type of ailments can music therapy have a dramatic impact in? I think we're seeing, um, uh, you know, a lot for, so for example, um, you know, we talked about cancer. We talked not only about the pain and symptomology, but also some of the emotional processing that goes through it. Um, You know, within um, Parkinson's and a lot of our neurodegenerative um, conditions such as multiple sclerosis and Huntington's, um, we know there's an there's a, a impact on gait. We know there's an impact on their their motor skills. And what we know from from music and our work, even with rhythm, is that um, because music directly stimulates the brain, is that we can use music to our advantage. So, for example, with Parkinsonian freeze, which is in, you know individuals with Parkinson. Um, they'll go to move and it's like their body is frozen. But we know that the brain will entrain with rhythm. And if we introduce rhythm 
to in that moment that it will entrain with the the motor cortex it, it encouraging the movement or the beginning of the the motor skills again um, and so what we're doing is we're using music in a way that helps entrain with that rhythm to allow them to maintain or improve their physical functioning um, it's the same thing with multiple sclerosis and we have you know, issues within that, you know, whether it's gross motor skills or fine motor skills or gait, um, is that we know that the music will entrain and help restart um, those neurons or restart the firing of those neurons for movement. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's amazing what can happen. You know, if we get into cognition, we know that music can trigger, um, you know, memories. We know that it can help, um, help you not only re-trigger memories, but it's a mnemonic device, right? You, everyone knows they're taught their ABCs through A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's a melody to that that entrains, entrains within you. And then next thing you know, if you, if you just tried to say your ABCs versus sing it, um, you're not as quite successful. So we're using music, you know, from the time we're little to help even with cognition and that will, you know, encourage it. So if I even look at if I'm looking with working with individuals with cognitive challenges, such as such as with dementia-related disorders, is that while we're not going to necessarily um, improve functioning, we can help hopefully slow down the, the decline by having cognitive stimulation. So it might be anything from, you know, starting a song off, um, "We wish you a merry." and having them fill it in, but it's providing that stimulation to help them keep connected with the world around them. You know, there was the, a video that was going viral. I believe it was a woman, she was in her early 90s, and she apparently was a, uh, a, a ballerina when she was younger. Yes. Tell us about that situation. What goes on right there? So right there, it's a perfect example of how music re-triggers your memories. And within those memories, it spurs on that connection. And when you're connected with someone, you know, whether it's that emotional, that physical or what have you, but the, what happened in that video was the music transported her back in time to, to, to when she was an active dancer. And it was automatically triggering those memories and those movements because they were so in part of who she is as an individual. The music, just one thing that reconnected and re-triggered that allowed her to re-experience and be for a moment a place that and reconnect with a part of herself. Um, and you see the beauty of that in that video. It's that that you know, one piece of music allowed her to reconnect with a part of herself. And I think, you know, all of us have had those moments when we hear a song or we hear a piece of music and it's we automatically, it's like one piece of music is like, oh my gosh. Um, that happened when this happened and I, I, I'm, I'm reconnected with a part of myself that I forgot about or reconnected with a part of, you know, a memory that, you know, brought, brought forth um, positive associations and that allows us for a moment to be transported to a place of, of comfort in a lot of times. Can you give us some examples of where as the chair of the Berkeley College of Music, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, where you sat back and you were astounded at the results of a particular case of where music therapy did something phenomenal. My gosh, there have been so many, so many um, 
experiences over the year as a clinician, as a student, you know, as a as an educator, um, as a researcher, like so many different um, experiences. I would I would say, um, you know, one of the things that um, one of the moments that I you know. I don't know that I could pick one because there's so, so many, and there's some great case studies out there that really capture the essence of, you know, I always tell everybody what, what we do is not rocket science. Um, What we're doing is just allowing people to reconnect and take a moment to reconnect or reclaim a part of themselves that's been missing. Um, And it's refinding that. And, um, you know, within that experience, when we're using music, it's allowing them to tell their story. And, you know, sometimes telling that story is you're heard, you're validated, um, and it allows you to, to carry on. And I think of so many experiences, you know, even with in my work, I used to work with, um, you know, cancer survivors that had been post, post-treatment five, six, seven years. And um, they used to come to a cancer support group I ran. And one day I asked, you know, you've been in remission for five, six, seven years. Why do you keep coming? to this group. And a lot of the answers were, they were afraid if they stopped coming, that the cancer would come back. Um, And there is this fear and you're living in fear. And that's not a great way to live. Um, And we started a a group um, just for individuals who had been post post treatment, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years. Um, And in that group, we used um, a variety, we did songwriting, we did a lot with music and imagery. And it, and I think the beautiful thing, um, this this one individual had this this image one time, and she was climbing up a mountain, um, and the music was really driving her up that mountain. Think of that big orchestral piece that just, or that cla- that song and spin class that just motivates you, and you're like you're you're coming to your peak, right? And she's like, but no matter what the music was doing, she couldn't get to the next, um, the level of the mountain. And it was, um, you know, through, you know, six, seven sessions, it was, she was stuck there. And then it was, she started, instead of trying to move forward, stop and looking what was around her. Um, and what is it that she needed to bring with? And then it was a lot of her was using that music to really find different parts or different people in her life that she wanted to reconnect with. Um, and it was through that reconnection that it really allowed her to move to the next level. And so that's really abstract and vague, but I guess I would say is that the big thing is, is that, you know, music allows us to access, it allows us to explore, it helps us to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with others. And sometimes it's a song, sometimes it's the rhythm, sometimes it's the lyrics, sometimes it's the total package. Um, but at the end of the day, Um, Don't be afraid to think about, you know, take a moment to just say, what is the role of music in your life? And when has it been that it allows you to feel connected? And what is it that you need from this moment in time um, that will allow you to get there? And and, and, and music is a great, great aspect of that. It's something simple. It's something easy to give. I mean, giving someone the gift of here's a song that reminds me of you or here's a song that we're going to dance to for five minutes or here's a song that, you know what, isn't this ridiculous? It's who let the dogs out, <laughs> but we can have that laugh together. We can have that connection. And that connection is what 
keeps us going. You know, funny story about who let the dogs out is that I was on the air uh, on doing a live interview on WLS, 890 AM, big station, you know, Chicago. And, uh, and I was doing it on my phone, and I was by the front door, and I, was, I saw my mother walking towards the front door, and I was really signaling her to not come into the house. Okay, because she's from Brooklyn, she's pretty loud, you know. And so, uh, so I'm I'm on the air, and uh, she opens the front door, and she starts singing, "Who let the dogs out? Who, who?" <laughs> and I'm like horrified because I'm on the air live in Chicago, <laughs> and and I said, uh, and the host says something like to me, like, you know excuse me what's going on over there I said it's just my mother she wants to know who let the dogs out because they're running around in the front yard okay so (laughs) so on my playlist I'm going to do this for my mother for Christmas I'm going to put who let the dogs out just because you have to at that point (laughs) Joy thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insight uh, about music therapy and what's going on at the Berkeley College of Music. And I'm sure that we helped a lot of folks out. It's been just an honor and a pleasure to have you on board with us. And again, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank our producers, Mike James and Cassidy Taylor, for all the work that they do behind the scenes. And thank you for catching this episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any more great interviews like this. And in case you're wondering, this is not the three-hour Kim Commando national radio show. You can get that over at GetKim.com. There's a 30-day free trial. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. And we have great discounts for seniors, military, and service personnel. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support of our programs and our website. I'm America's Digital Pro, Kim Commando. Kim Commando.